let me ask you a question. Have, uh, have you ever been in a dangerous situation, a dangerous situation you wondered if you'd get out of it alive? Yeah, well, I'm sure a lot of people have. When I was a 20-year-old college student, uh, I had uh, signed up for a, an archaeology class. It was going to be a Jan term. We were going to go to Israel and to Italy uh, as an archaeology class, and I was thrilled to go. When we got to Italy, which was on the way home, we were staying there briefly, uh, and they told us, hey, look, this is, Rome is a pretty rough city. Don't go anywhere alone. But when you're 20 years old and invincible, you say, well, if nobody wants to go where I want to go, I'll just go by myself. So I did. And I was in the middle of the city. I, was, I needed to find a map of Rome so I could go to the ruin I wanted to look at. And um, I walked down this huge boulevard called the Via Veneto. And um, it's, it's where all the embassies are. It's a really nice boulevard. The American embassy, I saw the American embassy. It looked really nice. Marines standing out in front, you know. And I was... Um, I, I, I was trying to find a map, and right across the boulevard, and I'm talking wide boulevard, was a little just hole-in-the-wall store, bookstore. And I thought, there's a map in there. Went in there, started looking for a map. When I'd gone in, I noticed there was just one guy. He looked like Clark Gable, and he was uh, sort of behind the counter. And I said, hello, in English, and he said something back. And, and I started looking for a map, and just a moment, the bell on the door rang again, and someone else came in. A man came in. I heard them talking in Italian. had no idea what they were saying. And um, they talked for a while, and then it got quiet. You know how when things get quiet, you wonder why it got quiet. And so I sort of glanced over my shoulder, and this is what I saw. I saw Clark Gable, guy, with his hands up, and I saw the other guy with a pistol pointed at him. And they were looking at me. And I, I'll be honest with you, fear hit me like I have never been hit before. It was all the blood from my head went down to my foot and remained there. I was, I was, I was dizzy. It was crazy. I couldn't believe this was happening. Thoughts started then going through my mind. All the craziest thoughts in the whole universe were going through my mind. And um, I, I, I just sort of froze. It, 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 was, it was crippling. And then, then the guy had the the shopkeeper moved over beside me, and he brought the gun over to us, and um, he said something to me in Italian, and the only Italian I know is lasagna. <laughs> that was not going to work. So, so I just, I just uh, said in the best Spanish I knew, <laughs> English, por favor, you know, <laughs> and he said money, which is what I figured he was there for. And uh, now, folks, I didn't have much money on me, but all the money I had in the world, I did have on me. And we had to get home. And, uh, but I had it in this money belt under my pants. And so I thought, I'm not going to tell him about that. So I, I reached in and I, I pulled out just a few Italian coins and said, this is all I've got. And he just laughed and uh, sort of knocked it out of my hand. And I stood, I stood there still frozen. And then he took the barrel of the gun, the little pistol, and played with my earlobe. I'm telling you guys, that's when I started thinking this. Nobody knows where I am because I, I went on my own. They'll never find my body. They're probably going to throw me in the Tiber River. My parents will never know what happened to me. I'm about to meet Jesus right now. That was what was all going through my mind all at one time. 
Then he took the gun down and he started poking my belly. And I thought, maybe he'll shoot me in the leg and let me go. I mean, that's, that's, all of that was going through my mind. It was all happening real quick. And then, of course, there was the, why is it the Marine over there coming to help me? I can see the embassy, you know. And finally, after just, I know it was a few seconds, but he, he put the gun in his holster, and I noticed written on the holster was Roma Polizzi. And I thought, he has killed a policeman and stolen his gun. <laughs> or he's an undercover cop, and about that time, the guy said something in Italian and said, American joke. And I noticed the shopkeeper was laughing. I'm going to tell you something, guys. All that blood that was down there came storming up my body. And I said, some joke. And I stormed out. I was walking up the sidewalk just going, Wah! I mean, I was emotionally just cry boo and People are wondering what's wrong with me. I go up, cross, go over to the American embassy. It took forever to get there. Got to the American embassy, went up to the little door, told them what had happened to me. And the guy goes, are you okay? I said, yes. He said, welcome to Rome. And closed it. I want you to know that, that that is a traumatic, fearful terror experience for me. And, and I'll be honest with you, I still think of it often. And the best way for me to deal with it is to tell it in a funny way so it can help somebody. Because sometimes I remember that feeling really, really well. Because fear is a powerful emotion. At times, it is a crippling emotion. Everyone has felt it sometime or another. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. And think about it. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Jeremiah, Esther, Mary, Joseph, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh, everybody's felt it. I know you, how many have felt fear grip you before that you couldn't, didn't, seem, you could, uh, didn't seem like you could get out of it? Fear is so powerful and so prevalent on earth that did you know the number one commandment in the Old Testament and the New Testament is fear not or do not be afraid. Over and over again from Genesis to Revelation, we see God telling his people to not be afraid. That's easier said than done, isn't it? Fear it's, it's, it, it comes to steal, kill, and destroy the life God gives you. To try to turn your, your life into a prison of fear. Fear manipulates you with the unknown. Uh, fear of death. Fear of failure. Fear of defeat. Fear of rejection. Fear of being alone. Fear of messing up. Fear of the dark. Fear of the light. Fear of looking silly. Fear of being inadequate, fear of somebody considering you stupid, uh, fear of the opinions of other people, fear that something bad might happen to you physically, emotionally, financially, gas prices, you know, terrorism, recession, fear of everything, fear of everything. Fear is a powerful, powerful weapon of the enemy. But you know what? There's something that fear brings with it that may be even more terrifying. There's this, oh, this dark, unknown, hard-to-nail-down fear 
dread that comes over us sometimes. It settles in the dark parts of our mind. It's that feeling of dread by fears. Two favorite words. What if? What if? What if I try this and fail? What if I get this promotion and I can't do the job? What if I ask her to marry me and she says yes? What if I ask her to marry me and she says no? What if I can't have a child? What if I can and I'm a lousy parent? What if the move I'm going to make is the wrong move? What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't measure up? What if, what if, what if, what if? Fear is a big deal. And what ifs make it even bigger. And we all know that. It causes us to to hide from God and from his plans. It makes us want to flee away into a safe place. Everybody's looking for safe places. And safe places where nothing can make you afraid anymore. Our world is eaten up with that. But it goes all the way back to the garden. Look at Genesis 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord called a man and said, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Yes, fear makes us want to escape run away and hide somewhere. It causes us to do what the children of Israel did in 1 Samuel chapter 17 when they met the 10-foot Goliath. This is what it says in the Scripture. Whenever the Israelites saw that man, they all fled from him in great fear. Fear, the, the bottom line of fear is that it's like a bully Standing at your door, preventing you from doing what God wants you to do. Today in our summer series that we're doing in the book of Psalms, this is part four, we're going to look today at Psalm 27, the 27th Psalm written by David. David wrote this in a moment of his life where he was uh, surrounded by his enemies, Um, they were right outside his window, people were trying to kill him. He was pinned by David when he was in the caves and on the cliffs that were in the, in the wilderness overlooking the Dead Sea. It's, it's a very lonely place, but it wasn't but about three miles from the camp of King Saul, his father-in-law, who was trying to kill him. King Saul had hounded David like a hunter. He chased him like a gazelle. He tracked him like a common criminal, David. Saul treated David, his son-in-law, like he was a threat to his kingdom. David didn't know what his fate was going to be. He had had people prophesy over him that he was going to be king one day, but it looked like that wasn't going to happen. It looked like the king that was the king was going to take his life. I want you to Notice how David starts Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? (laughs) The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
That's a good beginning, isn't it? David, this is a song he wrote in one of those caves and in those cliffs. And he started it out with this declaration. Whom shall I fear? I want to ask you a question. Who do you fear? No, what do you fear the most? Think about it. What are the things that you fear? If we're honest, we'll probably say everybody and everything. (laughs) Everything. There's so much fear around us. Fear and anxiety have crippled our world, especially our nation. Outside of blood pressure medicine, anxiety medicine is the most prescribed prescription in the United States of America. I'm convinced that there's some people in this room today and online today that have been captivated and and held hostage by fear for years and years. And in Jesus' name, it's time that that bully get knocked to the ground. Amen? Amen. So this morning, June 12, 2022, we're going to look at not only how to overcome fear, but actually how to make fear your friend. Yeah? I said it. You heard me right. Make fear your friend. By the way, God never told you not to feel afraid. He told you not to be afraid. And there's a difference. Feeling afraid can be good for us in that it warns us of things that are coming. But when you are afraid, when it defines you now, you don't use it. It defines you, then you are controlled by it. So here we go. Here we go. If you want to make fear your friend, here's the first thing you do. Ready? Fear the Lord. Yes, that's it. The first step in overcoming fear is fear, but it's a different fear. It's called the fear of the Lord. Now, that sounds counterintuitive that that would be that way, but stick with me because the fear of the Lord is so important. It is so important in battling Fear from the enemy. In this quick search that I did in the Bible, there are over 180 places in the Old and New Testament where the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Uh, Here's here's a couple of them. This is an Old Testament one. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, walk in his ways, love him, serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Isn't that amazing? Fear the Lord your God was put with all these wonderful things. Love the Lord, let him lead your life. It was not a scary thing to them. All right, look at the New Testament. This is the church. These are Christians like us. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace, and they were strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and increasing in numbers. Wow, the church grew when they were in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is foundational for every believer. I really believe this strongly. It's not this creepy dread of of a God that's going to smash you with a celestial hammer. It's not this creepy thing of, oh no, God's got my number and he's going to try to catch me in something. Instead, it's recognizing This is the one that really knows what's going on and can see everything. He's the one really in charge. 
Like a young child who sees his parents. He fears his parents, not because he's afraid his parents are going to hurt him, but because his parents see what he doesn't see. And he doesn't want to mess up that relationship. The fear of the Lord is a relationship we have with God. It's not some dread we have of him. It's our relationship with him. The reason a child fears sometimes his parents is not because of the consequences, which are real. We have to learn that there are, and parents are the best ones to teach it. But it's because there's a relationship with a mom and dad that love you, that care for you, that see what you don't see and help you understand what you don't already understand. Why did I want my two daughters to fear me? Why did I want that? Well, it, it, hopefully it's not because I was some mean freak that liked to control little helpless children. Wasn't that at all. It's because I love them. I want to protect them. I, I know things that they don't know. I see things they can't see. I don't want anything to hurt them physically, emotionally, or spiritually. I want to protect them. Like, I don't want them to ride their bike out in a road that's busy. I don't want them to be enamored with those pretty, pretty, pretty red spots on top of the stove that they want to touch. I want to, I want to try to prevent them from dating somebody that, that might cross boundaries that don't need to be crossed. I need to try to teach them about there are people in the world that are dishonest and disrespectful, and they don't need to be dishonest and disrespectful. Yeah, I know, I know in reality, some kids fear a mom and dad for all the right reasons, and the mom and dad are in all the wrong ones, and I know that's true, but that's not what I'm relating to God here, because they're incredible parents, and you know what I'm talking about. The fear of the Lord is a good idea because of who God is. If you know who he is, fearing him is a great thing. He's all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-present, loving, caring, forgiving. Wow, the benefits of that kind of fear of the Lord are pretty good. Absolutely good. So it's like this. Fear God and fear nothing else. Or do not fear God and fear everything else. And that's, that's the world we live in right there. That's the difference. Now, I told you that the fear of the Lord has to do with the relationship with him. Look at how David, in Psalm 27, look at how David describes this relationship he has with God. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. <laughs> that's a good way to describe the fear of the Lord, isn't it? He's my light and my salvation. The word light there, did you know that this is the only place in the Old Testament that God is actually called light? Now, there are a lot of places that talk about the light of the Lord's Word or God shining His light on your path. But this is the only place in the Old Testament that God is actually addressed as light. But in the New Testament, Jesus is called light by John the Baptist, by John the Apostle who said, uh, he is light, and in, him, and in him is no darkness at all. And Jesus himself declared what? I am the light of the world. Yes. Light allows us to see in darkness. 
That's what light allows us to do. In darkness, we have fear, but when there's light, we don't have fear. With the Lord being our light, we're trusting the one that can see in the dark where we can't see. So the Lord being my light means he's my only, he's, he's my night vision goggles. I can wear those things because I'm seeing what the Lord sees. The second description was God is my salvation. You know the word Jesus? It's the same as the Old Testament word Joshua. Jesus is the Aramaic of the Hebrew Joshua. Yeshua. You know what that word means? It means God saves. That's what Yeshua means. It comes from, the, from a Hebrew word, yasha. Yasha means to liberate, to save, to rescue, to triumph over. That's what it means. That's a pretty good thing to fear, isn't it? Someone who does that for you. How about this one? The third description that David used was he is the strength of my life. He's the strength of my life. He uses a word there, strength, maos, and it, maos means a fortress, a castle, a big castle that you can hide in and be secure. He is my security. The Lord is my security. He's my fortress. He also uses the word zor, which is the word rock. He is my rock. He is not moving. I can count on him being there. Then David says this, knowing that God is his light, his salvation, the strength of his life, his fortress, knowing that God is his rock, knowing he's got that kind of God on his side, he says, whom shall I fear? What shall I be afraid? The obvious answer is nobody. I don't have to be afraid of anybody or anything because I fear the only one who can see in the dark. I fear the only one who can take care of me. Yeah? That's how you make the fear of the Lord your friend. You fear the right thing. Now, we need to make the fear of the Lord our friend in our battle against fear. But we, there's also a second thing to do. You ready? Number two, confront your what-ifs. Yeah, but... Yeah, but what if this happens, and, and what if this happens, and what if this happens? What's your scariest what if? Think about it. What's your scariest what if? It's that worst case scenario, right? The worst, we always, we hear about Murphy's Law, worst case scenario thing. We fear that often. Here's what we ought to do. Instead of fearing it and running from it and hiding like Adam did, Instead of running away from it, like the Israelites ran from Goliath, why don't we just face it down like David did? Why don't we go all the way to the bottom of the what-ifs, think about the lowest, cruddiest what-if in the world, and just face it there? Hey, by the way, i, I got to read something to you. I, th- this is a, a late edition, okay? I started thinking about the what-ifs today, and uh, I, I, not long ago I was at a conference and there were some people that were coming to the conference from Pennsylvania. And uh, they left this little story with us. And, and this was so funny. They were coming to the, a Christian conference. And they were, they were going to fly from uh, Philadelphia to Birmingham for the conference. And this is, this, is their, this is what they said about it. 
Our 3 p.m. flight from Philadelphia to Birmingham was canceled while we were on our way to the airport due to weather in Alabama. We decided to get a new flight to Atlanta, rent a car, spend the night in Atlanta, and then drive to Birmingham the next morning. I called and reserved a room in Atlanta before our flight. We had to check our carry-on bags at the gate because there was no room for them on the plane. And then our flight to Atlanta from Philadelphia was delayed two more hours as we sat on the crowded plane. When we finally arrived in Atlanta, there were no rental cars available in Atlanta. The electricity went out at the Atlanta airport, and we got stuck in the elevator. When the electricity returned, we called the hotel to reassure them we were coming, and they had already given our room away. So we decided to take the 11.30 p.m. bus, Greyhound bus, to Birmingham. Our Uber app wasn't working because there was no internet, and we couldn't get a ride to the bus station. Finally got a regular taxi to take us. We barely made it in time to catch the 11.30 bus, which never came. <laughs> Hundreds of people were at the bus station stranded, waiting to board their buses. The lady in line next to us had a panic attack about 1 a.m. Then other people got angry for waiting so long and got violent, and the police came. A riot ensued. About 1.30, I called the Greyhound main customer service and found out that our bus was in Dallas. And no one knew that at the Atlanta bus station. Only the lady in the Philippines that I talked to told me that. <laughs> we decided to hire an Uber for a 150-mile trip to Birmingham. We arrived in Birmingham at 3.20 a.m. and ate a warm chocolate chip cookie because the joy of the Lord is our strength. <laughs> now, that's worst-case scenario right there. Isn't it? Okay, let, let me get back to the message. I, just, I had to share that. Worst-case scenarios sometimes do happen to us. At least we feel like it is. What if? You just fill the blank in. What's your what if? What if? You, what if? Whatever it is. What if I'm under a curse? What if I'm... What if I'm I don't make it home from the surgery I'm going to have. What if I don't make it through the surgery? What if the anesthesia doesn't work? What, 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 what if I get COVID in the middle of it all? What if I lose my job? What if I end up broke? What if there's more pain ahead for me? What if I make a foolish decision? What if I get blindsided by something out of the, out of the blue? What if my cancer comes back? What if? What if? Well, folks, all of those things are possibilities. And here's the truth. They would be terrible. They would be terrible, any one of them would be terrible, and it would hurt, and it would be, be hard and difficult to deal with. But you don't have the time or the ability to deal with all those contingencies in your mind, or you'll be in your head swirling all the time, and that's what happens in our country. We try to figure everything out. There's got to be a contingency plan for everything. You can't do it. That would be overwhelming. It would squeeze the life out of you. And that's why some of you have the life squeezed out of you right now. You're trying to figure it all out and make it all work out and avoid it all. But God wants you to know one thing. You can say this with confidence. Even if the worst what if happens, God will still be my light and my salvation. He will still be the strength of my heart. 
He will still protect me and be my refuge and my shield. He will still lift my head high. He can still restore my joy. He can still give me peace that passes understanding. He can still put me back together. He can still make me wiser and stronger and refine me as a result of any trial. He can catch me, hold me, stay with me, help me hear my cry. He will still be my healer. He will still be my redeemer. He can still, yes, he can still cause all things to work together for the good of those that love him. He can still be my everlasting help in time of trouble. He can still sustain me and get me to the other side. He will walk me with me through the valley, and he will never, ever leave me or forsake me. Ever. So just go disarm that stupid what if. Just disarm it, because so what if God will still be there for me? God will still be there for me. I, I can't be God, but I can trust him. I can let his vision be my vision, and I can run to his castle all the time. Corey Ten Boom, some of you remember Corey Ten Boom. She was, uh, she was a, a lady that was in a Nazi concentration camp for years. And Corey Ten Boom said it like this, and she was in the worst case scenario you can imagine. This is what Corey Ten Boom said There is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. Whew. Every time I dive all the way to the bottom of the what ifs, to the worst case scenarios, I'll still find that my God is there. He's my light, my salvation, and the strength of my life. David puts it in Psalm 27. He says it this in a wonderful way. David was thinking about his worst-case scenario when he said this. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Uh, that's, that's the worst-case scenario he can think of. That's, that's why he said this. He was, it was all kind of fear, all kind of things around him. And he said, even if my father and mother were to forsake me, God will not. He was agreeing with Corey Ten Boom there. There's no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. David closed the song like this. I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living wait for the Lord be strong and take heart wait for the Lord you know what David was eagerly anticipating he wasn't anticipating the what if he wasn't anticipating the worst case scenario he wasn't anticipating trying to figure out a plan to get out of something that hadn't happened yet he was anticipating the goodness of the Lord God's going to be good to me no matter what I'm in the middle of, God's, I'm anticipating His goodness, not all the bad junk that could happen to me. He wasn't stuck in the fear of the unknown. Notice He said, in the land of the living. You know what that means? That's not talking about heaven. The land of the living is here. So He's saying, it's not, well, if it all fails, at least, at least I'll be in heaven. And I won't have to worry about it anymore. God will be with you here too. He'll be with you all the way. He'll be, he will never leave you or forsake you. Never, ever. Never, ever. Ever. 
we don't rid ourselves of fear by wishing it away, but by trusting Jesus every day of our life in the good and in the bad. There's a, there's a guy named Ray Blankenship. Ray Blankenship was, he and his wife were one morning after a big rainstorm had come. They were in their kitchen. He was actually at the kitchen window helping her wash some dishes. And he noticed in this big um, concrete uh, drain, uh, uh, drain thing back here, water rushing down after the big rain. And he, in the corner of his eye, he saw a young girl fall into the drain fall into the rushing water and he just threw everything down and ran out the door and sort of angled to where by the time she got where he was he could he could try to save her she was flailing in the water he, he ran as fast as he could and when he when he got almost even with her he just just jumped right in and he, and, and he was able to grab her by one hand they just kept going and kept he kept holding on to her and finally out of with a miracle there was a, a, a big limb that had stuck and he somehow uh, got up against it, grabbed it, and pulled the little girl to himself, made sure they could both breathe, and the water just kept pressing them so hard, and, and, and it looked like at any moment they might go under the road and through into an even worse place. And his wife was panic-stricken. She called the, the, the fire department, and, and fortunately they were close by. They came, and he held her there until the fire department came and, and got them out of the water. They were both safe. They were both in shock, had to be treated for shock. And the wife also had to be treated for shock. She said it was the worst case scenario when I saw the little girl. And then I watched my husband do this. She said all I knew is he ran out of the kitchen going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he just said, Jesus, Jesus, all the way to where he jumped in. She said, my husband can't swim. But he didn't let that fear of water he had had all of his life stop him from doing what he was called to do at that moment. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We think that's just saying words. No. He was running to that castle. He was depending on that, that, that vision from God. And God saved him and delivered him. Some of you today are just crippled with fear. It, it breaks my heart because I know, I know what that feels like just from certain things. But some people have been crippled and you can't even hardly, can't even hardly have a normal day without think, what if, what if, what if God today wants to set you free of that? He does. He wants to set you free of it. I'm going to ask all of you to stand if you will. Right now, if, if you would just listen carefully to, to me. I want you to right now ask yourself, what is my fear? Maybe you can ask yourself, fill in the blank, what is the what if that I just can't handle? And if there are too many, just say, God, I am full of fear. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe you might be on medication to help and the medication is not helping. You just have to find a new one on. I want to tell you something. Our God wants to deliver you from fear. And he wants to do that in this place today. We're going to sing a song right now. And that song is going to put you in a place to where you can understand 
where our hearts needs to be. And then in a moment, we're going to have a time where we come, have you come and pray. And those online, I want you to know there's somebody already right now waiting on you. They will pray with you about this thing. You can be set free from fear right where you are. Just, just, just let them know. Let them know on, on the screen there. Just let them know. Somebody will pray for you right now. Father, I ask you that as this song is sung, Lord, I ask you to let fear find, come to the surface and see Jesus in the room so that he can say, peace, be still.